Part 1 Death of a Princess Chapter 1 Gustavia, Saint-Barthélemy None of it would have happened if Spider Barnes hadn't tied one on at Eddie's two nights before the Aurora was due to set sail. Spider was regarded as the finest waterborne chef in the entire Caribbean. Irascible, but altogether irreplaceable. A mad genius in a starched white jacket and apron. Spider, you see, was classically trained. Spider had done a stint in Paris. Spider had done London. Spider had done New York, San Francisco, and an unhappy layover in Miami before leaving the restaurant biz for good and taking to the freedom of the sea. He worked the big charters now, the kind of boats the film stars, rappers, moguls, and poseurs rented whenever they wanted to impress. And when Spider wasn't behind his stove, he was invariably propped atop one of the better bar stools on dry land. Eddie's was in his top five in the Caribbean basin, perhaps his top five worldwide. He started at seven o'clock that evening with a few beers, blew a reefer in the shadowed garden at nine, and at ten was contemplating his first glass of vanilla rum. All seemed right with the world. Spider Barnes was buzzed and in paradise. But then he spotted Veronica, and the evening took a dangerous turn. She was new to the island, a lost girl, a European of uncertain providence who served drinks to day-trippers at the dive bar next door. She was pretty, though, Pretty as a floral garnish, Spider remarked to his nameless drinking companion, and he lost his heart to her in ten seconds flat. He proposed marriage, which was Spider's favorite approach, and when she turned him down, he suggested a roll in the sheets instead. Somehow it worked, and the two were seen teetering into a torrential downpour at midnight. And that was the last time anyone laid eyes on him. At 12.03 a.m., on a wet night in Gustavia, soaked to the skin, drunk, and in love yet again. The captain of the Aurora, a 154-foot luxury motor yacht based out of Nassau, was a man called Ogilvy, Reginald Ogilvy, ex-Royal Navy, a benevolent dictator who slept with a copy of the rule book on his bedside table, along with his grandfather's King James Bible. He had never cared for Spider Barnes, never less so than at nine the next morning when Spider failed to appear at the regular meeting of the crew and cabin staff. It was no ordinary meeting, for the Aurora was being made ready for a very important guest. Only Ogilvy knew her identity. He also knew that her party would include a team of security men, and that she was demanding, to say the least, which explained why he was alarmed by the absence of his renowned chef. Ogilvy informed the Gustavia harbormaster of the situation, and the harbormaster duly informed the local gendarmerie. A pair of officers knocked on the door of Veronica's little hillside cottage, but there was no sign of her either. Next, they undertook a search of the various spots on the island where the drunken and broken-hearted typically washed ashore after a night of debauchery. A red-faced Swede at Le Select claimed to have bought Spider a Heineken that very morning. Someone else said he saw him stalking the beach at Colombier, and there was a report, never confirmed, of an inconsolable creature baying at the moon in the wilds of Toigny. The gendarmes faithfully followed each lead. 
Then they scoured the island from north to south, stem to stern, all to no avail. A few minutes after sundown, Reginald Ogilvy informed the crew of the Aurora that Spider Barnes had vanished and that a suitable replacement would have to be found in short order. The crew fanned out across the island from the waterside eateries of Gustavia to the beach shacks of the Glencul de Sac, and by nine that evening, in the unlikeliest of places, they had found their man. He had arrived on the island at the height of hurricane season and settled into the clappered cottage at the far end of the beach at Lorient. He had no possessions other than a canvas duffel bag, a stack of well-read books, a shortwave radio, and a rattle-trap motor scooter that he'd acquired in Gustavia for a few grimy banknotes and a smile. The books were thick, weighty, and learned. The radio was of a quality rarely seen any longer. Late at night, when he sat on his sagging veranda reading by the light of his battery-powered lamp, the sound of music floated above the rustle of the palm fronds and the gentle slap and recession of the surf. Jazz and classical, mainly, sometimes a bit of reggae, from the stations across the water. At the top of every hour he would lower his book and listen intently to the news on the BBC. Then, when the bulletin was over, he would search the airwaves for something to his liking, and the palm trees and the sea would once again dance to the rhythm of his music. 